0: Welcome to the official podcast of Cardinals Nation 24-7. Each week we put a unique perspective on bringing you the latest news, updates, and rumors of the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization. Join the nation and stay informed by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, subscribing to us on the podcast form of your choice, and most of all, by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Thank you all for supporting the nation. Let's get things started. Here are your hosts, Jared Redwine, Chris Lawless, and and Larry Cox Hello Cardinals Nation and welcome back to another episode of the Cardinals Nation 24-7 podcast I'm Jared Redwine and joined as always by my friends and my co-hosts, the living legend Larry Cox Larry, how are you my friend? Wonderful, and how are you doing Jared? I'm doing well sir He's trying to stay dry, and we've got him out running around town to find good signals so he could join us tonight. And then also joining us is the founder of Cardinal Station 24-7, Mr. Chris, the bearded dragon lawless. Chris, how are you? How's the weather holding up for you and your internet? The um, weather's not doing too bad, not too great, but
1: you know, as long as the Cardinals can string together more than just one win, I'll be in a better mood than I have been in the last
0: couple weeks currently it is Tuesday the 29th yeah they're playing the Diamondbacks and they're tied so they're telling us there's a chance so if you see any uh, connection issues in this episode it's due to all the tropical storms everything moving across the nation so try to bear with us Uh, if you hear audio cut out if you're listening to us or if you see the video cut out then that's probably why we'll do our best to try to shuffle around and manage around it But, guys, it's been a couple of weeks since we were here and uh, three weeks for Larry because he was on vacation. But uh, the Cardinals are in a huge tailspin, and uh, they don't look very good. And there's even not signs of them not playing well on the field. It kind of, you know, a lot of people are kind of upset on some comments that were made by Tommy Edmonds. So now the team is kind of looking lost at this point. Like, it doesn't really know what direction they want to go in. Uh, They haven't looked good against lesser teams like the Pirates uh and others and now they're they're sitting eight games back in the division which is a 16 game swing uh only ahead of uh the pirates and they're two behind the the reds uh there because the reds are only six games cards are eight and then the cubs are four and the brewers are actually playing quite well and leading the division uh chris uh broad question but what the hell's going on what's happened to the cardinals (laughs)
1: <laughs> i wish i had all the answers i know uh when you look at this team they have been stricken with a lot of injuries to key players that i think has a lot to do with it but when you're looking up and down how we're not throwing the ball across the plate how our hitters are not hitting we're not transitioning any of those hits that we do get into runs uh this team it, when 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 everybody's clicking on all cylinders that's one thing but it seems like nobody for the cardinals is clicking and i just can't wrap my head around i don't think anybody had this you know expected even the ones that are down on mo for not going out and getting more than nolan arenado um, i just too many players that are underperforming and while i still think we've got a good team uh, it has not been good baseball for a good stretch now
0: yeah, the Cardinals uh, have not looked well, and it's it's has been difficult to watch, even for the most dedicated of fans that are used to, you know, riding the team through its ups and down ways through the season. And Larry, we have them every year, uh, where teams go through different streaks of winning games and losing games. But this one, uh, this losing streak and this this downward spiral, I guess, has gone on a little longer than we'd liked. We're now approaching July first, and the All Star break is fast approaching. Uh, what are your thoughts just overall on, on the team? And do you think uh, they're in trouble? They need to make some moves or do you, do you think they should just, you know, stay the course and they should rebound, but you know, we've been saying that for a while. So I'm curious your thoughts.
2: Um, even back in spring training, we first did our first episode this year. Um, I'd said before, I'd like to see the kids come up, just let them play. Um, if the season gets too far out of hand, why wouldn't you give those kids a chance? You know, the Parsons and, Libertors and those guys, give them a chance to see what they can do Um, and start looking toward the future. Uh, I realize baseball uh, seasons come and go. They have ups and downs, the, the you know, the ebb tides and such. Um, but this year I don't, the pitching is what really scratches my head. I, I really thought we had a, a lot better depth than we have. It seems like throughout the entire system, it seems like the pitching has let us down. And, you know, Chris and I go back and forth about the offense or versus the pitching. I can beat you one nothing. I can't beat you zero zero. And when the pitchers are giving up walks and giving away free runs, you can't beat that as an offense if they're giving up three, four walks a game that turn to, you know, runs. So it's it seems like we're playing uphill every single game. But then we come back and we watch, you know, the the kid that we had last night. Well, I guess LeBlanc, I guess not really a kid, but another chance that we've taken on somebody that nobody else wanted, and he actually pitched a decent game. And it looks like Carlos is having a pretty decent game for Carlos. Um, he hasn't given a bunch of walks or a bunch of runs yet. So that's the good thing now that I've jinxed him. Um, but I think all in all, I think that, you know, we could still pull out of this because nobody's running away with this division. So.
0: And nobody's running away with it yet, but definitely eight, eight games is becoming a big gap to close in the last couple of months. But it's possible. Like, Larry, you're absolutely right. It's not. Over yet, but I think the time for for panic is now. Uh, Chris and Larry brought up a good point. You know, LeBlanc, you know, did look did look pretty good in his first outing as a starting pitcher. And afterwards, I didn't see the interview, but you shared it with me. But uh, it's probably a pretty it was pretty good, candid interview. Honestly, um, you know, I watched the video after you sent it to me, but I didn't I didn't watch it before. I had seen where it was posted, but didn't pay any attention. But you know, usually you see a lot of uh, players just say what's best politically. And he didn't say anything bad about the team, but he just came out and was honest and said, look, that's how I got to pitch. I'm pitching to contact, you know, start start attacking the zone and throw strikes first and get the guys, get them swinging the bet and then start to work off the plate. And he even made a comment, uh, as you know, because you obviously watched it and sent it to me, that, you know, that's what these some of these young guys on the Cardinals need to get in their head is they need to, don't worry about, you know, making them chase pitches, get them to swing, get strikes first, and then, work away but I thought it was pretty interesting and that's it, another kind of thing you know to where people are always going after Moselech in my opinion and Gersh and saying they're making bad moves you know sometimes a move maybe like a LeBlanc though people don't see it as a big shake-up somebody like him that can come in and these guys always find ways to perform well with the Cardinals with guys of his talent come in and make a few adjustments maybe and say some things to some other guys because you have a lot of good players out there and some of them are not always you know leaders so to speak or want to speak up but Maybe somebody like him can throw some guidance around, but I thought it was a really good interview and I was glad you shared it with me, but what were your, what were your thoughts when you were watching it? Yeah. I mean,
1: LeBlanc, he's a, he's a veteran and, you know, he basically called a spade a spade when it comes to this team and, you know, did give credit to the young pitchers and said, you know, they've all got electric stuff, but you know, even at it, you know when he first started his first few years he said that he was the same way you know and would get away from it and that you got to attack the strike zone first and then you could establish kind of paint in the corners and whatnot but that you've got to first you know throw strikes consistently and that's something that uh, that's why he was brought in and to know that he's got a defense behind him that's something i don't think some of us think about too that when we're walking so many batters, the defense is stagnant out there. They're just watching baseball and they're, you know, hands on their legs. They're not. They're not getting any action. Um, you've got Gold Glovers all throughout, you know, and you see Tyler O'Neill making some incredible catches. Uh, Arenado been making some plays, and you think, why aren't you? throwing the ball over home plate. I mean, I get it, a strikeout is a sexy stat. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you are giving up so many walks and free passes and hit batters that you're not trusting your defense. And I know some of that's inexperience from some guys, but then you've got John Gant and Carlos that they're not inexperienced. I mean, they they should be able to throw the ball over the plate. And I think that's kind of what's put the Cardinals in a jam Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, like Larry said, you can win a game one to nothing. Well, the Cardinals can't put more than a run or two on the board, you know, and that's where we're kind of – we're screwed on both ends, really. And you did touch on Tommy Edmond kind of making his claim where he didn't really throw Jeff Albert under the bus, but it kind of led that way. Um, His comment was basically they aren't making in-game adjustments and their
0: in-game preparation for – you know, hitting hasn't been what it needed to be. Uh, a lot of people were calling, and I saw that too. And a lot of people were calling Tommy Edmond out, basically saying he's throwing the team under the bus, which he really wasn't. If you go read the story, it's people reading a, a headline and not diving into it. But, yeah, go ahead, Chris. Sorry, go ahead and finish. Yeah, you know, he touched on that, and
1: then, you know, a game or two ago, and I think Erica Weston asked Dylan Carlson the same question, and he pretty well nixed it, you know. It was like, I'm not commenting on, you know, Edmund's comments, and it, I don't think that ousted him as like, hey, you shouldn't say that, but I think internally there probably was some talks of, let's not let this get out of hand with – you know, whatnot, Mazalak's already said that he feels like Jeff Albert has a target on his back considering all of the backlash on social media here lately and pretty well give the indication that Jeff Albert isn't going anywhere. So I I think that's a bunch of stuff internally that it's easy for us to say somebody needs fired, but, you know, obviously they've got different feelings in the clubhouse.
0: I'm glad you made that transition, Chris, because obviously everyone's talking about pitching but the Cardinals are not performing on either side of the ball Larry and you know Chris made a good point with Jeff Albert and why I'm not I haven't been on the fire Jeff Albert train you obviously have to look at it because the numbers have been trending downward and if you look at our the Cardinals lineup we should have no problems offensively this year but uh, it's been the same Cardinal story for the last several years since Albert's been around and probably before then so I don't want to single him out but you know whenever you guys get you got Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, you got Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Molina's playing well. You got Tyler O'Neill, who's turned into a beast in his own right. Then you've got Paul DeYoung, basically hitting seventh and eighth in the order. What What are your thoughts on just the pitching? It's got to be approach or you know something up and down the line, up and down the organization. You know, for, as far as both pitching and and batting, it seems like they're having that trouble everywhere.
2: Uh, A few years ago when they started this whole analytics thing, I I was kind of concerned with the guys going down in the tunnel and they're watching the video during the game. They all had their iPads. I I think at some point you get sensory overload. I think you get too much knowledge in your head. And it's just like trying to remember, you know, uh, pitch sequences. You know, this guy threw this, this, and this at me last time. So you go out looking for that. Now, if you're focusing on what he's going to possibly throw instead of what he throws, you are going to get fooled. I mean, if you're looking for a guy to throw you a fastball every time because that's what he did last three times you faced him and he throws breaking balls, you're going to be out in front of it or you're going to be behind the count every time. And I I think we've lost that aggressiveness at the plate. I I think we've taken way too many first strikes. Um, We sat back and we watched. As far as Alberts goes, um, I think this was long before he got here. I don't know if this is a change in mindset as far as the organization wants to move in that direction because, well, we've known that Houston did hit. They're still hitting even now that the whole scandal's behind them. So and he was a part of that. And he was a cardinal in the in in the past as well. Alberts was. So this just may be the mindset that they want to move in a certain direction because it did cost Pop Warner his job. I mean, he disagreed with their logic. And he was the one that was ousted what last year or the year before. They came down to one or the other and he left. And that was a guy that's in the organization for years and years. So I don't know if it's video that maybe we're watching too much, but if you look across the board in MLB period, batting average is way down. And that's why we're looking at the balls, the, you know, the sticky substances on the ball and all that, because something does have to give. Now I'm not going to take all the blame off of Alberts or these hitters. You step in that white box, man, it's on you, not Alberts. He's not swinging the bat. If you don't agree with his te- his way of hitting, then hit. I mean, as simple as that, you know, what did Stan the man say? You just simply hit it where they ain't. And I think we have too many pull hitters. They all hit the same exact way. It's the trend is just, it's not baseball. I just, I don't like it. Um, it's even like with carp and the whole shift, you know, let's outlaw the shift. Why don't we just outlaw the guys can't hit? I mean, you know, switch it up. So I kind of, in the whole Edmund thing, I think it was taken way out of context. I think he was, you know, he's saying that they're not making the end game adjustments. And I don't know if he meant they as an individual or they as a team or they as Albert. You know, that's his Albert's. That's his thoughts. I don't know. I mean, you know, it was repeated, repeatedly, repeatedly that he was taken out of context. You know, that it wasn't what he had in mind, what he said. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel really threw anybody in the bus or not, but eventually what happens we all know that somebody's going to lose their job if this doesn't change because Mm -hmm. it's always the pitching coach or the hitting coach that goes first you know you don't hear about the weight trainer he got fired because
0: (laughs) well even after the Edmunds comments uh, Larry Schilt was quick to say it's me and he's there's some things we need to work on but we've adjusted now but that's my fault what do you what do you take out of him just making that statement
2: well, that's, I mean, that's the manager's job. You take the heat off your players. I mean, that's what you do. You're the guy that steps in front of that bus. And that's the why. That's the one thing I like about Mike Schilt. He's always been there to stand up for his guys, and that's what you're supposed to do. Because as a, as a leader, you know, you're supposed to be the guy out front. Um, you know, the first off the helicopter into battle, the last on the helicopter after the battle. And, um, and that's what a lot of leaders don't do in this organization across the board. I mean, they blame everybody else. You know, Joe Girardi blaming Scherzer for all of his guys striking out. You know, let's pat the guy down, take all his clothes off of him in the middle of a game. But And that's what MLB is about now. Now we've got blame the game that's the sticky substance. It's this or it's that. Schilt's a baseball guy. I don't care what anybody says on our message board or anything else, Facebook, anything. I don't care. Mike Schilt is a baseball guy. You can listen to the guy talk. He loves this game and he knows what he's talking about.
0: And that brings up an interesting question. I've seen it a few places, but very, very minimal, Chris. You know, uh, Larry makes a good point about both sides of the ball. Why so much fire Jeff Albert? Why, Why are people not targeting Maddox as much? People are targeting Albert pretty much on all forms of social media. Why do you think Maddox is getting more of a free pass per se? But I hear Schilt brought up more than I do Maddox, and I hear Albert brought up all the time. But the pitching has been abysmal as well. You know, the team has not been performing well. Uh, regardless, it's been pitching or hitting. Uh, what What are your thoughts overall? You think this is an organizational issue to where uh, there's some kind of approach, are fundamental wise with the what they're kind of passed down as far as their strategy is as an organization, or do you think this is just really fucking bad luck for both pitching and the offense? I I mean it's hard not to say that it
1: is a, a string of bad luck for both. But you know I, I look at it like. You know, as far as the pitchers go, we we knew we were without Dakota Hudson. You know, coming into the season, you lose your ace and Jack Flaherty. Michaelis has missed a majority of the season, all but one start. KK, you know, he doesn't get stretched out very. You know, about four innings is what you can expect out of him. Um, Ponce has been on the injury list a few times, and then your closer Hicks, you know, has been out. So when you're missing that many pieces. And you're bringing up a lot of young guys like an Oviedo. That there's going to be a learning curve there. I think that's why Maddox gets a little bit of a pass, is because just up and down the board, our pitching has been injured like crazy. Um, I look at it with Jeff Albert. That I'm not one of these stat heads that know war and all these you know numbers. I, I'm just not into all that. But they brought him in and not just to handle the major league, but they want to implement his system all throughout the minors. And it's not just him, but just his system in general. But when you're looking at the minor leagues, you know, Memphis is twelve and a half games out, you know, in triple a Springfield has not been playing that good. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's the hitting approach all across the board. That's going, you know, with his system, but it just doesn't look like it's all adding up. I mean, somebody's got to be a scapegoat. I don't want to say it's Mike Schilt because, like Larry and you said, you know, he's a, he's a good manager. He's a baseball guy. Um, but when you lose to Detroit, you lose to Pittsburgh. If we lose this series to Arizona, then you got to think somebody's got to be the fall guy here. It's not going to be John Uh I don't think it's going to be Mike Schilt. So I do think the pitching and the hitting coach are the ones that you look at. Um, And again, I think that's why maybe Maddox gets a pass over Albert is just the amount of injuries that he's dealing with. Whereas Jeff Albert, he has a pretty good lineup that's just not doing shit. Um, It's it's hard to believe, too, because like you said, you pointed out all these strengths. Edmund was getting on base like every game in the beginning of the season. Now he's kind of hitting into the shift a lot. Carlson, you know, up for rookie of the year, you know, numbers. Yachty's, you know, hitting well for his age and. You know, while Goldschmidt kind of started off slow, he's kind of coming around. And Arenado has been more than what we expected out of him. Uh, Why we can't put that all together in a game to accumulate more hits and runs is beyond me.
0: Yeah, I mean, really, too, you know, and this is kind of this is Cardinal related because it kind of started with the Gallegos, but not to get so off topic, but now Major League Baseball, right, is cracking down on all these pitchers and they're checking them for foreign substances. You know, and I think that's a way to try to counteract the lack of offense in baseball. But in reality, Larry and Chris, what do they think was going to happen when they do things to deaden the ball? They put the shift into play, and people are using more analytics. All of the things that Major League Baseball has been doing or has been geared toward recently and, and limiting, you know, they've done things like uh, limiting. Now the, the uh, you know, shit, get my – frame of mind right a bullpen to come in and they have to the three batter minimum everything they've done is to help the hitter uh, because they want to see more offense it's just not working and i think this is another avenue of where they're saying well let's see if they're using a foreign substance because we need to see more offense in the game i mean but what what were they thinking do you do you see larry do you think the shift uh, is going to stick around they've talked of doing away with it or limiting how much uh someone can shift do you think all this stuff coming to light with the lack of offense is getting worse and worse every year? You think that's going to be changed?
2: No, I I think the the shift's here to stay. I mean, I like I said again, I think there's high school kids all over the country right now learning to hit opposite way, not into the shift. Um, they're learning to spray the ball more. Um, I think baseball needs to get back away from the the big mashers, the big power hitters, and go back to the the Edmonds of the world that are hitting you know the line drives, the singles. You start hitting a bunch of singles, it takes a shift out of play. And I think that's right now, that's where the focus should be in baseball. Um, I think, you know, just like uh, Bowers, he said himself, he said, the problem is you got a kid like Hicks doing 105 mile an hour and he's got no grip on the ball. He hits a he hits somebody in the head with that, it's over. I mean, that's a missile. And so they're saying they want something on that ball. These guys can stick because they did analysis, I guess, and they said the ball is now harder than it has been in the last 10 years. The stitching is not as tight or it, I'm sorry, it is tighter. So there's no, there's no grip where they can't grip the laces like they did in the past. So eventually you're going to make the ball like a cue ball. They're not going to be able to hold it and you have to control it somehow. So some of the other ways were let's go back to lowering the mound, the back to the six inches that the Bob Gibson rule took into effect. That at one point, I think I read where the, they're talking about moving the mound back another, what, six to eight inches there, it, it closer to second base. There's all kinds of things they're coming up with, but I, I think the first thing I would implement, I think, is as much as I hate it, is the is the uh, the home plate, uh, the computer called balls and strikes. It, make the zone tighter. Make those guys have to hit. Instead of giving them the six inches, you know, the Maddox rule where they get six inches each side of the plate up and down, it's too inconsistent. Uh, make it consistent across the board, and pitchers have to get into that window, and you'll get the offense you want, and pitchers will pitch. Um, as far as our team goes, I, I think that even the Ovedos and those guys in the world, why wouldn't he come in and just throw as hard as he could for strikes? Even if he had to give up a couple of miles an hour, like you said, you've got gold glove defenders behind you across the field. At one time, we said, you know, hell, we could have seven gold glovers in the outfield at one or in the field at one time, but yet they're not doing anything, they're standing around. And even the other downside isn't is right now, what is it, uh, Arenado's got seven errors already this year. That's more than he had the entire season the last two years. So, you know, there's something going on in St. Louis it, or in baseball. I don't know which. So I think it's going to come down to they're going to have to make changes either drastically across the board or, like you said, somebody's going to get fired and we'll miss Grish because it's all his fault. I mean, as a general manager, it's his fault. Fire Grish. <sighs>
0: But Larry does make an interesting point with the with the shift, Chris. Do you think it's here to stay? And mentioning the shift, you know, it seemed like he started to, to play better and then he disappeared, but we haven't seen much of Matt Carpenter lately. And uh, they've been patient with a lot of these hitters, and it seemed like as soon as Edmund started to go into a skid, maybe because of his comments, maybe he was uh, more disciplinary than it was performance-wise, but they made it sound performance-wise. But he hit the bench pretty quick. He was starting again tonight at second base, but they set him out. Pretty quick. What are your thoughts on the
2: shift? Not to interrupt, Carp- but Matt, Matt Carpenter's in the game right now.
0: <laughs> How is he? Did he just <laughs> come just in? I just put
2: him in. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Well, there we go. <laughs> but What are your what are your thoughts, Chris, as far as Carp basically going away like everybody thought he would at the beginning of the year? Edmund uh, having such a short leash, and then just on the shift overall, do you see the shift then making changes to that? I know they're talking about doing the bases, you know, making the bases bigger for more steals and – more runs or trying to think of ways to do things offensively, but then they're countering that with the bullpen rule, you know, facing the three batter minimum and then checking all the pitchers for foreign substances uh, seems like on a routinely basis.
1: Baseball is just, it's a crazy thing. I mean, with the, sh- with the shift, I've always been, you know, in the favor of, I don't mind the shift. I don't like the extreme shift. Uh, you know, as long as the shortstop plays on that side of the bag, I don't, I don't mind it. But when you're shipped in so far, I I don't like it. But at the same time, if you don't like it, do something about it. And these players have the ability to lay a slap hit down the third base line
0: and they refuse to do it. So you're saying and, basically you don't mind a little ship, but you don't like the third baseman playing it short and the shortstop playing in short left or short Right. Back. I mean, yeah, I
1: don't, I don't like it. But at the same time, I, I think it is here to stay until players – get it in their head that hey i'll take that slap hit down the third baseline you do that enough times people are going to quit doing that that's the only way to counter it as long as major league baseball is going to allow it um you know with tommy Edmond, i think some of why maybe he's had a so much of a go and carpenter kind of had his hot spell and then they you know gets benched is just the number of injuries where we've got edmund plugged into the outfield and then sosa was doing so well when DeYoung was out that you kind of want to give him some spots and you know then you got carpenter on the bench again um it's crazy that the cardinals you know i I think they give some of these guys too much of a leash and then other guys don't ever get a true opportunity like we were big on john nagowski getting a spot and john nagowski gets dfa'd you know couple days ago. Uh it's just mind boggling to me why they wait too long to call certain people up and then when they do, I know our fan base gets impatient, like, why are we keeping Oviedo up? Well in my opinion, quit giving him a starting gig, put him in the bullpen, you know, and let a guy like Woodford go down like they just recently did and stretch him out as a starter. Um, I think you got to plug some of these guys in the right spots. And again, even though Reyes has been doing well, closing, we kind of wanted to see him be a starter and he's not going to reach
0: his pitch limit, you know, being a closer. Well, well, Nagaski never got a a chance to show us what he could do. He didn't play. And then when he got hit in the hand by a pitch and then didn't really make an appearance afterwards, kind of like you said, and then Reyes, you know, he's, he's at 30 innings and we're at the half point of the season, Chris, he's not going to hit a hundred You don't need a good closer if you can't if you're not in the lead to get in the ninth inning in the first fucking place. And now he's not even pitching.
1: Yeah, and you know you've got guys that you know we've we've said this before that whole bullpen or closer by committee. I don't understand why you wouldn't give Reyes a chance, stretch him out as a starter, slide Gallegos and Helsley down in that you know closer role. It doesn't have to be the same guy every night. Uh, but when your when your team is hurting for innings, and we can't have a pitcher go past four, it seems like other than Wainwright, who's been a godsend, I cannot imagine what this team would be without him on the you know in the rotation. I don't understand why not give Reyes a chance to pitch five or six innings, or even Cabrera that he's looked good at times in the bullpen. Maybe put him in there. You know, guys like Ponce and Gant. They they should have never been given, in my opinion, that chance to start. Uh, it backfired big time for the Cardinals. And those guys are they journeymen, but they're they're role players. They're not somebody that needs to take the ball every fifth day and strikes fear in the you know hearts and eyes of their opponent the
0: opponents. Yeah, you could, you could at least put Reyes in an opening position maybe or have him start three or four games and pitch five innings, and he's still not going to get his 100-inning pitch count. Then move him around later make an adjustment. If you do something at the trade deadline or somebody, like they decided to call up Libitor or somebody of that nature. But uh, I feel like they're not making the moves that they could, and they might be waiting just a little bit too long. Uh, but to go back to what you said, yeah, the, Jack Flaherty, they're hoping he can start throwing at the beginning of July, but – it's going to be late July sometime in August where he's even close. I think it may be longer than that. I think they've definitely sugarcoated his injury since it started, and it pretty much intensified. He said he was filled, but he didn't tear it until he was swinging the bat, which is another reason why I think they shouldn't be, uh, yeah, pitcher shouldn't be hitting anymore. Uh, Harrison Bader just started a rehab assignment. It uh, looks like he's going to be back pretty soon, probably sometime in the first week of July. He'll be back with the team. Uh, the Cardinals just sent, like you mentioned too, Woodford and Elledge were both sent back down to Memphis, uh, trying to keep their pitching options open. But I feel like Woodford, he's one of those guys that's been a victim of the uh, Memphis train. He up and down a lot, doesn't have a real good role. Also, like Chris mentioned, uh, John Nagowski designated for assignment. to team's hoping he can clear waivers and stay in the organization. I don't think that will happen with Nagowski like it did with Webb. I feel like somebody will pick him up to, for some kind of first base room. But they did that to make room for Roel, Roel Ramirez, who hasn't been impressive uh, for the 40-man rosters. And he's not a very good pitcher either, so I don't know. I don't really get the whole reason why they did that. Uh, the Cardinals did call up uh, Brandon Waddell, who I was not a big fan of that move, but he looked okay yesterday. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. They, they have a need, and they found one. And then the most recent news, uh, they promoted number two prospect Nolan Gorman to Memphis, and Jordan Walker was promoted to High A Peoria. Those guys have both been playing well, but another thing I wanted to mention too is because the three of us have just talked about, um, you know, guys getting uh, the, the whole organizational approach to hitting and pitching. Nolan Gorman has done okay. Every time that a, a trade is brought up, everyone says we should trade Gorman or Libertor because for most Cardinal fans, that's all they know because they don't research who our prospects are and they just think that's who we have to trade. It's not the case. But Gorman was promoted because he's mashing. But my whole point of him mashing is he's hitting 260 at AA and he got to Memphis. Several years ago, even two years ago, guys didn't get that promotion unless they were hitting like 360, 380. You know that was crushing it in minor league. Now he's hitting 260 in Double A, and they say, "Oh shit, we got to move this guy up. He is killing it at 260." That's just how baseball mentality, I think, Larry has changed recently to where you know everyone wonders where the offense is, but it's acceptable to be a shitty hitter
2: now. Yeah, I mean, again, we don't know what the we don't know what the uh, the farm system needed at Memphis versus what he was doing where he was. Maybe there's a, maybe there's a match there. They're looking for a coach or something they wanted to get around exposed to. Um, I haven't really paid that much attention to the Gorman this year as much as I'd like to have um, just work constraints and everything. But anyway, is he been playing second base? Uh, I, I mean, I haven't really watched cause that was one of the discussions that maybe he'd make a play second base.
0: The majority of it's been a third still.
2: And that's what I thought I'd read somewhere, but I wasn't sure I didn't want to be quoted on it. But, um, so the thing is, is again, why is he at triple a playing third base when, you know, Nolan Arenado's sitting in St. Louis. So if you're going to make that change, why not? Why aren't you changing him to a position someplace else to fill a need within the organization? Or is he just going to be designated designated hitter next year? And that's going to be the end of it. Like we all assumed. So, um, Even back to the Reyes thing we talked about earlier, um, Brad Lidge was on MLB in the morning, and he said that uh, if we brought Reyes in right now as a starter, and he pitched the way he's been pitching, he would hit 50 or 60 pitches by the fourth inning. So they said, you know, why wouldn't you let this guy start when when you're pitching is as bad as it is in St. Louis right now? And, you know, this is Lidge, of course, you know, he's not a big fan of the Cardinals anyway, for some strange reason. But um, I kind of agree with him. Why is he – why is the guy sitting on the bench? Even back in the day, I mean, you got a guy in and you got him a couple of innings. Even if it was mop-up duty or something, at least you got him the ball. They're not even doing that. The guy's just sitting there. And, like, last night, they kept showing him last night. He's just sitting there on the bench. You're like, why isn't he doing anything? It didn't make any sense to me. Um, I just – anymore baseball is hard to watch at some point because they've – the rule changes. The, and I'm not a big fan of Manford at all, and I just think he's ruining the game all by himself. I thought, you know, the worst thing that could happen to baseball was the all-star stupidity that we had from the manager or the uh, uh, president of the league before, you know. When he came in, oh, the winner of the – you know, the all-star game gets to host the World Series as the home team. And I thought, he's ruining baseball. Then the interleague play, oh, my God, he's really ruining baseball. And instead, this guy is trying to outdo him and make it even worse. And baseball as a product has gone downhill. And a lot of it, I think, is his fans, limited attention spans. You know, they want 15 or 20 minutes of scoring, and then they can run and get their nachos and cheese, and they can sit back down and watch 15 to 20 minutes of scoring. Except for one thing. I watch 90 minutes of soccer, and nobody scores. But yet it's the most watched sport in the world. Somebody needs to clarify that with the head. The I, think head the,
0: I think it's the sitting on the edge of the seat and potential, the excitement level. Cause it's, it's a lot of action, kind of like hockey.
2: And, and I agree with that. That's my whole point. Let's make the game more exciting that, you know, that we're back to the excitement level of the game instead of the stupid, you know, started runner at second base crap. You know, let's, let's experiment with the distances between the bases. Let's, Let's not. Let's get back to, you know, I'm happy with 1970s baseball. You know, like everybody keeps whining. Let's bring Whitey Ball back. I don't care. Let's do something to stir it up. Why? I'm tired of the mentality, the sheep mentality that we follow along. Because the Dodgers did this and they won the World Series. I have to do that. No, the reason the Dodgers won is because they spend a ton of money. You know, they have the best farm system in baseball year in and year out. I mean, the joke for a long time the 80s and 90s was how many years in a row did they have the rookie of the year that three or four years later, nobody knew who they were until Piazza. <laughs> I mean, that's just how it was. But I don't know. I, I, like I said, I don't think any of us have the answers for all of baseball, but I, I, I don't get the whole prospect watch in St. Louis. We get prospects that we sat and we sat on and we sat on, and then they don't ever come up, and then when they do, we expect so much out of them if they're not hitting 400 and crushing 60 home runs and no, they're a waste of our time. You know, people in the organization right now, they watch Carlson, the, 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 I don't know the average fan, I guess. They don't realize the guy is top five in every single category of rookie of the year right now because he's not, he's not, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. Which, you know, I'm sick of hearing about that guy. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I understand what he's done. The guy spends more time on the injured list than he does on the field. So maybe cut his hair and lose some gold. Maybe he'd walk better. I don't know. It's something different. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I am kidding. That's back to the blue hair. <laughs> I'm taking that guy in a heartbeat. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I would too, because he is an exciting player. Yeah. But that's what they want. They want that young brass player. And that's just not Cardinal baseball. I mean, you ask people, they want Cardinals baseball. You hit, you field, you run, you throw. That's Cardinals baseball.
0: I think it's just today's mentality overall, not so much baseball. But I'd say the last generation was probably uh, Chris's in mind, to where you cherish the championship run and you you get excited about it when it happens, and now. You know, fans that are, you know, just turning 30 and in their 20s, they want it now every year. Why are we not in the? Why are we not competing? Trade Gorman, trade Livid. They don't understand the way baseball works as a business, and they just want to win, and they're watching one game a week, and they live in the state, and they're like, oh, it's cool to be a Cardinals fan.
2: Yeah, so am I. Well, I mean, think about it. Right now, there are are 25, 26-year-olds who have never seen a losing season in St. Louis, and they're losing their minds right now. I mean that's you know their mentality because they've never seen this happen. I lived through the '70s, dudes. So I'll tell you right now, man. There was some ugly baseball in the '70s and the '90s. Both. This is minor, man. This is just a phase. It just baseball turns over. It just what it is. What it is. people
1: people are impatient you know and i get that you know but there is no blueprint on how to build a championship team you know the proof is in the pudding with the dodgers winning it last year they had not won a world series since 1988 it takes a short season and they win one you know and they did have the most talented team they do have a outrageous payroll but when you look at teams like currently, you know, the Angels have the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. They go out and acquire one of the best third basements in baseball and, you know, Anthony Rendon. And then they've got Shohei Otani that's ungodly. And they're nine games out of first place. The Yankees spinning buku bucks. So, you know, if you ask Cardinals, would we take Judge and Stanton's power and Garrett Cole as our ace and D.J. LeMayhew as our second baseman? All day, most of them would be like, yeah, we want that. You know, the Braves have a and all these guys. They're not in first place. It's There's no perfect recipe for what happens. It's a got to be a perfect blend in your young talent, which, touching back on Gorman, he did start at second base for Memphis tonight. So I think that might be a reason why he's, you know, going to see some time at second base. But uh, the, they just don't have the patience, you know. And we want to see somebody like a Libertor get called up rather than sit down there and become a – 26-year-old prospect um, but you know in saying that you look at his numbers down there they haven't been overly impressive Zach Thompson's got an ERA of over eight right now down in Memphis I don't necessarily want to call somebody up that's struggling that mightily down
0: there but, but i but towards last couple starts doesn't mean to cut you off Chris has been better but before that he hasn't been setting the world on fire Tommy Parsons I think was leading the team and he was not pitching well right uh so organizationally they have not been playing well so what if that guy's not pitching well in triple a chris why would you call him up to major leagues
1: no that's that's a lot of it too and you know the thing is i know the cardinals aren't the only team that does this but they don't want they manipulate the service time they don't want to start the the young guys major league clock if they don't have to and we've talked about it all off season and early this season that the cardinals had such a plethora of young arms that you wanted to see what you had in an oviedo you want to see what jr fernandez had uh you know cabrera all these guys that in my opinion they need the shot first over a Libertor or a thompson because they do have a year or two ahead of ahead of the curve but now that you're kind of seeing what they are capable of i could see wanting to see a Libertore and I could see wanting to see a Thompson, but the Cardinals only have a 40-man roster. And so far, we have picked people apart off that 40-man and added people like Scott Hurst, who had his cup of tea, you know, at the big league level. It's like so many people, they're plugging too many people in and not really giving guys that are the future of the Cardinals a true opportunity.
2: Well, the thing is we forget is, though, is when they get to the minors, You got to really throw the ERA out the window because we don't. Because coming into a a start, a a kid like Libertor is told, okay, tonight we're going to throw 90% curveballs. We want you to get the grip on the curveball because this is a team, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of times, just because the ERA is high or because we see the win loss record as a minor league player, that doesn't necessarily translate to the right that you're seeing what the real thing is going on because there may be a pitch he's struggling with. And we don't care about statistics in the minors that you're trying to brush that kid up. And if you want him to hit a certain target date or something in the, in the organization, that's what you want to work on. So he develops that extra pitch. So a lot of times what fans will do is they'll look at a kid at double A and they'll say, well, that kid's throwing eight ERA. He, we don't want that kid. I thought he was the star that we trained Randy Rezarena for, you know, I'm sorry. You know, until, until that kid is in the major leagues, I don't know what he is. I mean, until he's thrown to a a major league hitter, I don't know. Brad Thompson was one of the guys. Go look at his numbers. He was not that great at minor league baseball. He really wasn't. He came up and he was a serviceable starter. He was great in the bullpen. That's what he did. He did his job. It would also help that he had Albert Pujols and everybody scoring six or seven runs a game for him, but that's beside the point. But, you know, and that's the thing. We don't see that. And so a lot of times we overlook those numbers or we use them as gospel. And I think that's a lot of the a lot of the issues we're having right now because um, we just don't see the numbers. We don't look at them. And, again, you know, the Yankees just called up an 18-year-old. You know, the kid's getting his start as an 18-year-old. You're telling me that kid's more mature than a kid that's pitched two or three years in college? and I don't see it. I mean, that kid, I, I mean, there's a high school right across the street from me. There ain't no kids throwing hard enough to throw a major league baseball game. It just isn't. But, you know, again, then we had Fernando, you know, Venezuela, you know, he was, he came up at 17 and a half, 18 years old, and he was rookie of the year that year. So we just don't know what each kid's going to bring until we see it. So that's the other thing I see with this. But like you said, I mean, how many times, how many rocks can we roll over for the 40 man roster to pick another guy off somebody else's roster that's been through five or six teams. You know, if if we had Duncan, if Duncan was here, I could see it all day long. that guy could find flaws in a guy's delivery and he could fix it. And those guys became serviceable. But the pitching staff we have now, the coaching staff, I can't see that.
0: Yeah. Duncan lives here in Tucson where I'm at. Maybe I'll try to get his address and see what he's up to. There you go. See if he's free. Uh, but Larry does make a couple of good points, but one, one thing, Chris, to keep in mind is like, you know, you know, minor league stats, I guess are numbers to be looked at, but definitely they're, Kevin Mine's promotions, and if somebody like Libertor is throwing lights out and has an ERA of under three, and he's striking out a lot of batters, it's definitely going to make the front office look at forcing their hand a little more. Um, instead of you know Gorman, you know basically saying he's killing it, hitting two hundred and sixty in Double A, when we the one of the three of us might be able to hit one hundred and fifty in Double A if we just close our eyes and sw- swing the bat hard enough. We probably wouldn't, but you know you get what I'm getting at. But, you know, but kind of what Larry's getting at kind of his outside way of talking about it kind of brings up a good point. You know, just, you know, we thought coming into this year, uh, our pitching was going to be deep. We have all these starters, all these bullpen arms, Chris. And just like two years ago, what did we say? We said the same thing about the outfield, right? We've got all these guys. We've got fam, Gridrick, Biscotti. We don't know where these other guys are going to play, where they're going to go. But now take a look, though. Honestly, look at our outfield. We get an injury or two, and we don't have any. We've had Hurst. We've had Thomas, who hasn't performed. We've had Newt Bar. You know, coming into this year, nobody knew who Hurst and Newt Bar were, and our outfield depth has completely diminished these last couple of years, and it used to be a huge surplus. But then you also take a look at the organizational approach. We're going back to that because of the pitching and hitting. And then you look at the guys we have traded away. I know we don't like to hear about it, but it's becoming a, it's not just one or two guys. It's becoming a matter of truth. I'm talking about all the young arms like your Zach Gallon and Alcantara. And then you're looking at guys like Voight, even though he can't stay healthy. I mean, I'm not saying you would want Voight over Goldschmidt, but then not, not only a Rosa whose numbers have died off this year, but he's still somebody that'd be starting for us. And then you look at Adolas Garcia. I mean, overall, maybe, and they've kind of mentioned that before. I know Mo did at the end of last year, especially when a Rosa got hot, but that maybe the organizational, the organization needs to take a different look at baseball operations you know they've they have not done a bad job and they always keep us contending but they have made a lot of mistakes and obviously the approach is not working and like larry brought up again and we've mentioned before we call guys up on their 26 most teams have them up on their 21 22 tops but we keep these guys down for a long period of time and maybe we just see see what they have what are your thoughts on the just the approach overall kind of I know I threw kind of like probably three or four questions at you at once, but you're, you're good. You're the bearded dragon. You got this. Go. Right. now. The, I mean, something like, um,
1: you know, Harrison Bader that a lot of people were down on because he's a 200 hitter, go glove defense, but, you know, is what he is. And I think at his age, and it's not a knock on Bader, you know, I want him to succeed like I do any other person that wears a Cardinal uniform. But at some point, you know what a player is. And if Bader's that guy and you, you know you've got a team around you that you can live with a 200 average, but you rely on that defense, then that's one thing. But when you have had a team that has been so lackluster offensively and you let these guys go, like an Adolis Garcia, Randy Rosarini, even a Randall Gritchick that's been tearing it up for you know the Blue Jays, you're looking at guys that are playing good on both sides of the ball. And you can miss on one or two of those guys and it'd be like, I understand it. I mean, I'd rather have Goldschmidt than Voight. You know, I and some trades at the time, the Ozuna trade at the time made sense. You know, we needed a hitter. It didn't pan out. You know, I get it. Uh, but when all these moves start piling up of, you know, how much time do you give a guy before you're ready to give up on him? Um, I don't think Adolis Garcia got a true shot here. I don't think Randy Rosarina got a true shot here. I think they had their mind made up of we're going to roll with Bader. And, yeah, I'm glad they've stuck with Tyler O'Neill. I thought he had more potential than what Bader does. But they are just hell-bent on some guys they're going to give every opportunity. And some guys, they're just not getting a full shot. Now, I don't think that means you've got to call up everybody and give them a month's stretch, you know, to see what's going on. But you can't call a guy up and, you know, let them play a week. And say this isn't going to work out. Um, It's just, I think, it's up and down the board with the Cardinals. And that's what a lot of the frustration with Mazalek is from our fans is so many misses of players that are doing well outside of the organization compared to what we have now.
0: Yeah, Larry. I'm going to put you on the spot. So you're, you're hired on. You're the general manager now. What are the first? What are the first three things you do? It, it, let's take the lineup into question. You know, you're 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 running the team. What are your first three things that you're going to do with the team to try to turn things around, Larry?
2: Sorry, I was doing something else. I was comparing notes because Chris because Chris was talking about the hitters, and uh, you know, what's funny is right now Bader and Gritchik had the exact same numbers as a Cardinal. So, you know, so they're not really getting a shorter leash per se. They're got, they actually had almost the exact same amount of games. But anyway, if I, if today, right now, I, I would look at the lineup and I would say we need to shake the lineup up. We need to, we got to figure out somebody to plug in that one spot. Um, I would probably make that call. I'd probably, Gorman would probably be my second baseman tomorrow. Um, I don't care. I'd rather see him hit and it fail at St. Louis than I would see him in Memphis and get hurt. Um, the next thing I would do is I'd probably bring a Zach Thomas or maybe Parsons, bring one of those guys up, stick them in the rotation. I'd bring Reyes and I'd put him in the rotation. Uh, I mean, you don't need a closer if you can't get to the closer if you're not winning. So you got to start with pitching. I mean, that's the first thing. And the, the next thing I would do is I'd tell Maddox, you tell every pitcher in that in that bullpen in the and in the starters, you pitch it right down the middle, I don't give a shit. If we lose 13 to nothing and they've hit home runs – I'm content as long as they're not getting 13 walks. And so that's the difference. Because those guys are going to miss. They're going to hit pop flies. They're going to hit grounders to Arenado to Goldschmidt. you got to put the ball in play and one way or the other. So either the the guys up to the bat or the guys in the field, one of them has got to put it to play. And I think that's the biggest thing we're missing across the board with baseball as a whole. Like Chris said, you know, strikeouts are sexy, but they're fastest. You, know? you know, it's boring. Let the guys behind you play the biggest thing I like about Kim KK when he comes in he rocks and rolls man that dude does not let grass grow under his feet he's got the ball let's throw it let's keep moving and that and that's the thing I think this organization needs to do uh, change the clock on the hitters you know we're letting these guys get in there and get they're getting comfortable you know old uh, you know a great one said I own the inside and the outside of the plate it's mine I throw the ball I decide where it goes. And and we don't do that. We're scared to hit. We're scared to hit batters. We're worried about you know the high and tight. Back them away, then strike them out on the outside corners. Right now we're just we're just we It's like we have no killer instinct if that makes sense. Um, I've seen you know my my son was a hell of a cross country runner growing up. The problem with it is he ran his race. It didn't matter if he finished second or first. He ran his race. And I think right now these players are playing their game. The way somebody tells them to win, lose, or draw—that's how they're playing.
0: Chris, same question to you. You're gonna—you're making three moves right away. What are those moves going to be? Well, I would like to say, you know, I'd be on the phone trying to make a deal, but I don't
1: think even at this point there's a lot of options out there of teams ready to sell off some pieces. First thing I would do is Reyes would not be my closer; he would be stretched out to be a starter. And I would start plugging other pieces around as far as my pitching staff. I would let Cabrera get spot starts. Uh, I, Woodford and Fernandez would, you know, may, maybe be in my bullpen. But I would switch and mix, mix and match my bullpen and my rotation. Right now, that would be my primary concern. On and like he said, you know, get in their head and tell them throw the damn ball across the plate. You know, we've got to get rid of the walks. Quit trying to be over finesse. We're not out here trying to, you know, it's not a you thing. It's a we thing. And so I think that addressing the pitching is the key. Now, offensively, as far as the lineup, I know batters are a creature habit. They want to be slotted in a spot. But if you go through a stretch where you're losing two or three games and you're throwing the same lineup out there, bat Tyler O'Neill lead off one game. I don't give a shit you know, do something different, you know, quit just putting them out there and expecting different results because that's the definition of insanity. So addressing the bullpen, addressing the starting rotation and the batting order all in-house. I think you can, you can do it by shuffling things around. And if something doesn't happen pretty quick, I don't want anybody to lose their job, but I would say somebody's going to have to be the scapegoat and whether that's Jeff Albert, Mike Maddox, they're going to get the axe before Schilt will, but somebody, if if we continue losing like this, you can't just blame it on injuries. Somebody's going to have to get the axe.
2: My my biggest question would be did did Mike Schilt have any say in the hiring of Alberts? Is he? Is, that's my. I would ask that question across the board because you know we knew Mike Matheny was told to fire his staff, and we seen how that turned out. He refused to fire the guys, so. Th- you know, there's that, um, you know, the coaching staff has to work together, whether we like each other or not. So I want to hear
1: Jared's answer. What would you do?
2: That's what I was like. You're asking I don't me. think you
0: answered my question completely. Well, I mean, I kind of mix stuff up. I I mean, I, it, and as it, we speak, the Cardinals are walking yeah. in runs with the bases loaded. Oh my God. Ugh. To the Diamondbacks, by the way.
1: <laughs> that's horrible. I mean, if you're wanting exact details, it would have to be you know Reyes as as a starter and Cabrera as a starter, and then you're moving guys out. You know, Carlos has kind of had his shot. When he's good, he's good. You know, I I know they there was a stat come out I think a week ago that he had like 13 starts and six of them were quality starts. Of those six quality starts, he had an ERA of like 2.3. Was you know that's pretty good. Uh, his seven games that he didn't have a quality start, fourteen ERA, giving up like fourteen hits a game, and I'm like, that's unbelievable. When he's good, he's good. When he's bad, he's horrible. Um, but you're not going to cut the guy, so slot him back in the bullpen, and that's he kind of thrived in that role. If he doesn't cut it, cut him. But you've you got to just got to plug these guys in different roles if they're not succeeding in the ones that they're in. So that would be, you know, definitely have Reyes as a starter and probably Cabrera as a starter. And then as far as the lineup, I mean, you got the bats. They're just not clicking. So I would just move, change the order around until they get together at least two or
2: three wins. Okay. Goldschmidt, Goldschmidt to lead off. Sure. <laughs> well, you, you already, did, mean, your, uh, you already did your moves. I meant
0: more like high-profile moves, but you know. But I get what you're saying, Chris. But the funny thing is, neither one of you guys said trade for Max Scherzer, which everyone thinks would solve the problems. Um, yeah, I, I agree with uh, putting Alex Reyes in the rotation, and I also will say I agree with Larry in calling up Libertor and putting him in the rotation. Sink or swim, you're going to let him pitch the Olympics. Who gives a shit about the Olympics when you're trying to make something out of a season, potentially one of your last seasons with. Uh, Hall of Famers, Adam Wainwright, you got Molina, so try to put something together before it's too late because every every series that they don't make a change is another series lost. Um, the only thing that I wouldn't do, and I agree with what Larry's trying to say with Gorman, is the only reason I wouldn't is because I still feel like Tommy Edmonds earned a spot on this team. And If you pull up Gorman, where do you put Tommy Edmonds? Because uh, we all know Bader's probably going to start when he comes back, and if I was managing the team, Bader would be starting when he came back. But those would be mine calling up. Libertor putting Rays in the rotation, and uh, I don't know what my other one would be. You know, looking outside the
1: organization, and I know Max Scherzer's been the hot topic because that's somebody that they want the Cardinals to go after. I'm big on saying he's a free agent at the end of the year. If you want him, you have all the money coming off the books, and Carpenter, and Carlos, and Miller, and you can go out there and sign him if you want him that damn bad. Dexter um, Fowler's money. Yeah. Dexter Fowler's money. Um, but there was some rumor that Eric gold said the Cardinals had at least entertained trade offers with the Texas Rangers. And, you know, they, I don't know if Joey Gallo is an answer. Uh, I don't know if Gibson is the pitcher that they're looking at, but he's been having a hell of a year. Um, But a team like that that's pretty well out of contention might be a team willing to deal. The thing is, they know the Cardinals situation. They're going to ask for a King's Ransom. Are we willing to give up a Libertor or a Gorman or somebody like that if it was a package deal of, say, a Gallo and a Gibson? Would you want to give up uh, high profile prospects like that for a run this season? I mean, I don't know that that's going to be enough to fix this team. Gallo's got a lot of power, but he's a, you know, what, 220 hitter? That's kind of I don't know. I'm not really wanting to give away the farm for something like that. At the same time,
0: they you already carried away a 220 hitter that hit home runs, and that was Randall Gritschick, and now he's crushing it for Toronto. Right. You know, and, you know, Brad Kell, he does say, you know, prospects are nice, you know, but
1: parades are, you know, a lot nicer. Um, so eventually you do have to kind of go all in. I think this year is more the springboard year. We got Arenado. Um, we're, you know kind of seeing what we have in a lot of the young guys i do think yachty and wayno bueno come back again next season i don't think Arenado opts out i think next season with that money coming off the books is when they go out there's a huge free agent class especially with short stops that i can see the cardinals maybe going after a story or a seager or somebody of that nature and you know maybe getting another you know solid pitcher bring lance lynn back or something crazy i don't know but the next year is the year I think they throw some money at some players and say, "Oh, we've had enough of this shit. We're going all in title title time."
2: Well, yeah, but you got to also remember we get Dakota Hudson back next year as well. So there's one, you know, whether he comes back strong or not, we don't know. But that's another guy we're going to add to the bullpen or to the starter rotation probably. So there's one spot taken as well. So he takes Kim's or he takes Wayno's spot um Gallo's got one more year he's got arbitration number year three next year so you get him to 24 um these guys free agent so like you said you know he's hitting 225 I think it is right now so what do you really obtain by him but a power hitter but you're a slotty minister dh so he's gonna block Gorman next year anyway so you know what do you do you're gonna push Gorman back another season and then we got another 26 year old rookie coming up I mean um I think this season just plays out as it is. I don't see any big trades this year from this team, Uh, because, like Chris said, everybody knows we're behind the eight ball. They're gonna, they know what Mo has to give up in order to get, you know, like somebody with a pulse right now to come in and pitch. Because you know we all know that starting pitching is a premium in the major leagues. The Yankees don't even have it, and they've got the prospects to deal it, and they're not giving them up.
0: Yeah, the Yankees have turned into garbage, too. And speaking of garbage, Chris, uh, how come no one's talking about how much Paul DeYoung is sucking this year? Just <laughs> trying to be nice, but
1: it, it is kind of ridiculous. And that was something that some of the stat geeks out there, they pointed out that his numbers before Jeff Albert got here and now after. I can't blame all that on Jeff Albert. Uh, Something's got to give with DeYoung. I mean, I do like that he has some pop in his back. But when he comes up after his stint on the injured list and hell, I think he had two two hits and sixteen at bats or seventeen at bats, it's like this is who you are. You're a two hundred hitter, you know, and he doesn't play bad defense, but he's somebody that again with such a great free agent class next year, even like Correa or Baez or somebody like that, there's a ton of free agent shortstops out there next year. I don't don't think De Young's job's safe.
0: No, and I mean, and to add to that note, I mean, it looks kind of like Edmundo Sosa kind of uh, forced his way into some more playing time. We've been seeing him more and more, and he's probably earned it. But the young getting hurt kind of opened that door, and the young with his poor, really poor hitting has turned into this year's Harrison Bader. And like we've all talked about before, you can have those guys on the team if you know your Arenados and your Goldschmidts and your Carlsons and all those guys are hitting in two sixty to two eighty range. But they're not. Goldschmidt hasn't been consistent all year. Arenado was hot and kind of trailed off. Uh, Carlson's still been pretty consistent. Edmonds fallen off. Molina was super hot, and he's, he's died down a little bit, which we knew was going to happen at his age as the year went on and wear and tear on his body. But, I mean, the consistency just has not been there.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you could also say too if Tommy Edman, you know, could slide over and play shortstop if you wanted Nolan Gorman to be your second baseman. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that can't happen. It's just DeYoung. I don't think the Cardinals kind of expected him to be the shortstop of the future until he got here. And you look behind him, and it was like that wasn't a position that the Cardinals really stockpiled down in the minors. You know, it was like Delvin Perez is the only shortstop down in the minors that we would have any namesake. You know, and be like hey, that guy's got the gig. Um, but the way he's underperformed, I mean, Young just – he's not somebody you can trade and get much for. Um, you know, if a team was hurting for a shortstop, I guess you could dangle him and Kisner and something in a deal. But you're not going to go out and get a Trevor Story with a package like that. Um, so it, it's going to be free agent time next year, and I think that's when we'll see the end of Paul DeYoung.
2: So do you so you guys think that uh, Arenado is able to convince Story to come here as a free agent, or does he take the money and go to the Yankees? Because Gleyber Torres is not the answer shortstop for the Yankees. We know they're going to back the back the truck up for him. So you know, is is there a chance that we get a shot at Story because of Arenado, or does Arenado tell him, "Hey, dude, they're not much better here than in Colorado"?
1: I'm sure Arenado put in some good words, but uh, bottom line is it's going to cost a ton to get Trevor Story. In it, and it would you know cost quite a bit to get the other ones too. I think Marcus Simeon is going to be a free agent, Correa. Those guys are going to be your second tier you know, under Story. But um, it depends on what the Cardinals want to do outside of that because it's going to have to be more than one move. Uh, if they want to address getting a starting pitcher or an outfielder, um, they might want to take second tier talent um, and maybe get two pieces instead of going all in on one. I sure wouldn't mind to see Story playing shortstop for the Cardinals, but I think it's a hefty price tag and knowing our our organization and how they are I know, I know we got our, you know, Arenado and Goldschmidt and that's some money, but then you throw that at Story Two and you're like, shit, you know, you're pretty well locked in and some of these younger guys are going to be getting paydays sooner or later, like a Flaherty, or he's going to be down the road.
2: Yeah, but if, if the Padres can afford the guys they've got with the past lack of interest in their fans, then why can't a Cardinals who's bringing in three million fans a year afford three 300 million guys?
1: We ain't been packing a stadium like we should either, and that's what's kind of...
2: We had COVID, Chris. Come
1: on, back up, no, I'm talking about <laughs> they opened opening it up. I mean, Bush was not packed for, you know, the first few series, and rightfully so. I mean, I think, you know, some are, I mean, everybody says, you stop going to games, and maybe that'll get their attention. and It'll get their attention because they want that money. Exactly, and I think that they've seen a little bit of that, and, you know, Cardinal fans are diehard fans, but... You are seeing that younger generation that's like, I'm not going to pay these outrageous prices for
2: tickets and go sit and watch a team that walks 20 batters a game and whatever. But again you got to remember now with all the TV deals and everything else you can be a you can be a Padres fan and live in St. Louis, you know. When I was a kid I became a Cardinals fan because KMOX was the only radio station I could pick up baseball on. You know, you had your chances between the Cardinals, the, the Reds or the Cubs on this week in baseball on Saturdays. You got one of the three and I just I liked the Cardinals at the time. They were just a good team to watch. But now these guys can you can live in Florida and be a Seattle Mariners fan. And you could watch every single game. I mean, I know a guy who was in Arizona and is a Cardinals fan, sort of, kind of, most days. He even has a podcast, I heard.
0: There's one or there's one or two. There, everyone's got a podcast nowadays. I don't know if you guys have checked. Anyone can do it. It doesn't matter how good you are. They gave us microphones. There you go.
1: <laughs> we bought these.
2: Oh, well, there is that part.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always city, city, state to state, man. There's podcasts worldwide, from what I hear, all over the place. That's what I'm saying.
0: They're everywhere. Chris you're Chris the season ends today and you're the general manager I got a question for you are you renewing the contract of Carlos Martinez or are you paying him 500 grand to walk away his option for next year 17 million dollars
1: yeah I'm I'm done with it and the reason why is like I said when he's good he's good but when he's bad he is horrendous and I think he does have lights lights out stuff at times, and we we've said before he's got that million dollar arm and a ten cent brain. He he crumbles under pressure, and it is a snowball effect. He's not going to be lights out every time, but once he gives up a run or two, he might as well give up thirty because it's just like he he's in his mind of well, game's over. I don't give a shit, uh, you know. And there was a picture the other night, and I sent that in our private chat of you know him out playing around at Ameristar Casino after getting shelled. And I'm not saying don't have a life outside of baseball, but when you're consistently doing this and like, Hey, it's all fun and games, you're struggling that bad. take shit serious. And like, get in there and watch video don't be out in public being seen out partying and having a good time uh it reminds me of the Moneyball movie you know where he comes in and you got giambi up there dancing after a loss and billy being toes to bat he's like this is what losing sounds like that's what i want to see is some accountability held for these players. I know they get a paycheck. They get paid to play a game. But we're also fans that pay money to, you know, get TV packages and tickets and merchandise. And so we've got a right to bitch and complain about these guys that are going out and are supposed to be entertaining us. It is not entertaining to see a guy go out there, get shelled, and then not give a shit. So, no, I'm not bringing him
2: back. Larry? Let him. Well, I, I Actually, I would – Trade him some tonight. I would trade him. He had a good game today. I'd put him on the market right now.
0: What do you get for
2: him? Uh, I don't care. Throw me a dozen baseballs. I don't care right now. I'm saving myself. Are you going to pay? Him? I'm
0: gonna saving pay him myself
2: five hundred thousand? You know, let well, him you're go. going to
0: have to pay him this year to play somewhere else. No one's going to pick up his money though.
2: Uh, I don't know. You got to remember, there's somebody out there who always thinks they can fix your headaches, and that's the thing that that's the one thing about baseball is. Is just because we think he's garbage doesn't mean everybody does. There's, I mean, the Angels, how bad do they need a starting pitcher or a bullpen help? They, they probably trade you right now if you pay part of his contract, you know, even if it's a little bit of it. You know, stock their soda machine so players have to pay for soda. I don't know. <laughs> so I
1: was just surprised like a week or so ago when they showed like the all time Cardinal stats on strikeouts and he was right behind Lance Lynn, you know, on that list. And I'm like, Hey, at the same time, we give up on Lance Lynn, who was ranked 10th all-time in Cardinals strikeouts at Busch Stadium. We give up on Lynn. Why are we going to keep head case Carlos?
0: And Lance Carlos Lynn was outside. the pitcher for us as he is now, but he was not bad those last couple of years. I was shocked they didn't bring him back. Same thing with Kyle Loesch. They let guys that were good walk that wanted to stay and probably could have got – and what would we consider a bargain contract But we didn't keep them because we think we have all these young arms, but then we don't use the young arms, so they come up in their head cases.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I made a joke that, you know, maybe he needs to dye his hair back purple or, you know, maybe we need to have Mike Maddox call in Greg Maddox and fill in for pitching coach or something. Uh, we need to do something to shake this stuff up. And, uh, Carlos, I'm I like the guy at times, but I don't like that whole demeanor of, it's fun time, you know, good time. It's a good time when we're winning. You know, you're losing. I don't want to see celebrations. I don't want to see, you know, getting our ass kicked nine to one and somebody gets that one home run and you're dancing around like a fruitcake over in the bowl. I don't want to see that.
2: He He's the one guy that I think has gotten the longest leash of anybody in this organization as far back as I can remember he had the he had the girl that he supposedly got pregnant he had the porn fetish he had the syphilis the whole thing with that all happened then he had the gambling issue and there and he's still here and, and you're like how does this possibly happen that this guy just it's not like he's winning 20 games a year and you can say this is why we put up with it i mean this guy if he wins 10 games you're ecstatic
1: and he had the strip club incident with Ozuna. Yeah. You know.
2: I forgot about that one even. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But he didn't get stabbed like Tommy Pham or anything. So, I mean, there's always that. Yeah.
2: Well, because nobody can understand him because he didn't speak good enough English. <laughs> they would stab him. <laughs> no, I mean, but even some of these guys come into the – they come on the team and they say, you know, you watch him pitch, he's got the best stuff of anybody on the staff. And it's got to be frustrating. And as a manager, as a coach, to watch that guy, I can understand why it frustrates people. I really do. You know, the hair color thing a couple years ago, that was a little over the top. But, you know, you got guys like, well, remember Cespedes, he came to Met spring training every day in a different car that cost over $100,000, you know, that kind of eccentric that happens. But, you know, at the time, the guy was hitting 300 and crushing the ball, he could do it. Carlos, other than the one or two years, I don't remember him having that whole draw to say, "Hey, this is the guy we're going to build around." Remember when they handed him the ball and they say, "You're the ace of the staff." When Waino was, you know, hurt, he was going to be the new ace, and I think they just pressured him, and I he's faltered every chance. We've seen it every time, like you said, every time something bad happens behind him, something in his head happens bad. So. Okay, Jared, we'll let you talk
1: for a while now. So, Jared, what are you, are you going to move on from him, or are you going to bring him back? I mean, have you had enough of his shit, like we have, or
0: are you getting ready to give him another chance? I would almost DFA him right now if the, the team, if the rest of the team wasn't so crappy. Uh, the, the bullpen's pretty weak. I would definitely probably move him out of his role if we called up some other pitchers, but we're not. So, people talk about moving him out of the rotation, but kind of like you said, he you know he can have a really good game so right now you kind of need him but i'm definitely not paying him 17 million next year the difference between him and paul deyoung is paul deyoung is making 4 million dollars this year 6 million next year paul deyoung is still probably playing you know the cardinals signed him to a long term deal when he was doing really well thinking they were getting a huge bargain and it was a bargain that they went for uh, and maybe deyoung can still live up to that but carlos he's got two option years after this year With a 500K buyout, I would definitely, I mean, you're basically saving your $16.5 million you could put to sign another pitcher probably for, you know, 12 for one year. That could probably give you better numbers than he's given you this year. But this just tells you how bad the team is and how struggling it is. And you could, like every game, even last night's until the Cardinals broke out, right? If you're watching, it feels like, you know, every game is a do or die game and they're playing the Diamondbacks for crying out loud. And then tonight, they're trying to give this game away in the eighth inning, they already have Reyes pitching. And the Diamondbacks still have an opportunity to score, but it's like it's the ninth, but it's only the eighth. But Shields trying to do everything he can to try to maintain a lead to win this game. And it's just we look like we're struggling, like we're going all in, like this is like a do-or-die playoff game, and it shouldn't be that way against the Diamondbacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, one thing, and I don't know who gets to blame for this. It might be an overall mentality. You know, a lot of those players are pressing, whether it's, you know, the hitters are just trying their ass off to get a hit. But we go into these games, like you said, it's like we're, uh, you know, playing not to lose. We're not going in there trying to win every game. It's like, hey, let's like try not to lose this one because we've been getting our asses handed to us. We can't afford another loss. You got that kind of psyche going on. I mean, you're you're setting yourself up for failure. And I think that's a lot of why, you know, when the Cubs went on their real hot streak and everybody was like, why are the Cubs playing this well? Well, I think a lot of that had to do with Baez, Rizzo and Bryant Contreras being like, we all might get shopped. You know, we all might not be back next year. They're all good friends. So let's go out and have a good time. They all had fun. They started winning games. Winning's fun. So, like that whole thing, momentum is a big thing, and the Cardinals are on the wrong side of the momentum. They've got this mentality of dark cloud over them, and they can't string together more than just one victory. Uh, you know, if they win a couple series in a row, maybe that changes. But uh, you know, it, it's going to take more than a win here and there for them to get out of this funk.
2: Did he say momentum?
1: <laughs> yeah, momentum.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, well, you you look at it in the. In the- Dugout definitely doesn't have as much fun as it used to. You go back to, you know, the last couple of years, they've probably traded, other than bueno two of their most positive and guys that appeared to have the most fun, and that's Dexter Fowler and then Jose Martinez. You know, those guys were always energetic and kept things lighthearted, and you just don't see that as much anymore. You know, uh, Goldschmidt, for what it's worth, uh, is a good player, but he's pretty stone cold. You know, he's kind of like the Iceman. You don't see him grinning or joking around a whole lot. I think Arenado lets loose a little more, but it's kind of like, Uh, You said, Chris, it's like the fire, you know, you saw Arenado get mad, you know, before and try to amp his teammates up or come on, get your, you know, your crap together basically when he's getting onto his teammates and you don't see that from anyone. And you would think maybe Yachty or somebody would kind of take that role or even Miller would kind of corral those bullpen guys, you know, Wayne O corral the rotation, but, you know, I don't know I don't, to me, it looks like there's a lot of potential for people to be leaders on the team, but like visibly you don't see that you know a lot of teams you hear oh he's the captain of the team or he's gonna get these guys together you know what i mean you don't you don't really know people assume it's Wayno and yachty but i don't think Wayno is a confrontational type of guy i think he likes to perform and do well but i don't see him you know getting uh too vocal but i see yachty getting vocal but i don't know. people might just be scared of him more than they probably anything else but we're kind of running on time I guess we'll go to Chris you want to tell everyone about uh, Facebook and everything since you're not banned anymore <laughs> yeah
1: after some of that <laughs> month-long ban you know I'm out of Facebook jail but uh, everything is still going well we've got 43,000 group members and still at 65,000 followers on Facebook we're putting out more content now um, on there and you know on Twitter and Instagram as well uh, the YouTube channel even though we haven't had a show out in the last couple of weeks the subscriber count keeps climbing we're at about nine twenty-five, nine thirty subscribers so getting close to that thousand mark um we appreciate everyone that tunes in and follow us on all those different platforms uh we hope that the people that do tune in will click the notification bell share this stuff out you know it helps us spread the word um it is guys talking cardinal baseball but you know it's something we're passionate about we know all the fans out there are too good times and bad and, you know we've always got an opinion and uh we like when people voice theirs and hope they'll tune in in less than hours so we appreciate everybody out there
0: yeah if you if you if you like the show and like what you're hearing or seeing please uh like subscribe share tell your friends we would appreciate it and uh sorry about the two-week uh hiatus so we'll try to do it on a regular basis if not it's because we're pissed and the team has just totally killed our morale Uh, But other than that, hopefully the Cardinals pull out this one-run lead against the Diamondbacks tonight. Uh, They have them again tomorrow. It's an early game for me here in Arizona. So I guess uh, I don't have – Larry, do you have anything in
2: closing? Nope, I think we've covered just about everything under the kitchen sink.
0: I'd say that's probably pretty accurate in tonight's time. We've covered a lot in a short period of time. Chris? Chris?
1: No, just ho- hopefully, like you said, that they can pull this out. And, you know, we do have Colorado coming up, that that should be another series that the Cardinals can take advantage of. And then the next fourth series is a flip-flop between playing the Giants and the Cubs, two pretty tough teams that, you know, might set us back. And it might be the springboard this team needs to get us over the hump. But going into the All-Star break, we're going to need momentum. And that momentum needs to
0: happen pretty soon. Couldn't have said it better myself. I'm Jared Redwine for Larry Cox and Chris Lawless. Thanks for watching the show. We do appreciate it. And go Cards. Go Cards. Go Cards.